Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Earth show. I am your host, Ray Trujillo, and this is a show consisting of multifaceted notions and introspections of the vastness of truly, are we really alone? And why are we here? And what else exists beyond, and the great beyond, shall we say? And so, when we look into those vastness and the potentials of the variables and the potential realities and multi-realities, that's when we consider that our existence is so prevalent, our existence is so paramount, so profound, and full of so much to give into the world and give to each other and to receive the unconditional love as we permeate that unconditional love into the ethers and so forth. And so I did want to, well, I always like to express that, to consider this show a sacred space to postulate the broad spectrums of these inquiries, the inquiries that are comprised of much of the precepts, the adepts, and also of multi-belief systems throughout the ages. And let's say also the wisdom of the ages. And there's also in the notion of seekers of truth and the journey through the mysteries and the machinations of our soul's existence. And that is a very broad and expansive introspection. And there's so many perspectives in which we can view and observe and to hypothesize and postulate, of course, and to computate within the mind, within the regions of our soul, within our epigenetic memory, within our persona, the archetypes of how we create our form and function. And so, given all that, this is a show for everyone, of course. Yet, I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone for your grace, for your presence, for today's May 6th. 2023's transmission because it is continuously my great honor, truly, and it's a great privilege to be here with all of you today. And I'd also like to interject once again as a reminder for the audience and the new audience members and subscribers and the new subscribers, thank you so much for your contribution and participation. But this is a show that I just want to remind everyone that is possibly new or this reminder that this show is for all paths of all unity of all walks of life as we are all essentially one and our paths to the great divine father god mother universal source gaia whichever you like to initiate yourself with that universal source, it may differ in the initial language or the culture or the background or your belief system in any capacity. However, the grand reality truly of the holistic, wholesome concept and reality of all of this existence and what's permeated through the observation of this existence of all of us, every single living being on this planet, our animals, our trees, our oceans, everything. And of course, how we are with ourselves and how we interrelate with ourselves and how we correlate with one another and coexist. So this all equates to that same unity, the unification of our fellow brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters of Christ, of Buddha, the Shekinah, the goddess of nature. And when we truly look at that from either the Eastern, the Western principles, the dogmas, theological and non-theological backgrounds, there's so much that just represents that all source is cosmic love, that all source is that essential cosmic love, that divine love. And truly, that's a reminder and also the evolution of that thought process that that divine love is our essential mission here. And so when we look upon our mission on earth, we look into 
the prospects of how we live our life, how we integrate our lives, how we coexist with one another and the planet and our beautiful creatures that sustain this planet. And we must also sustain it as well. And, but I, I wanted to interject again that the purpose of the show is to assist in my most humble way and hopefully to illuminate places of darkness and the unknown, hopefully to extend honor, grace, optimism. I essentially really love to propagate uh, optimism and hope and with that journey of enlightenment that when there is that attention that's placed upon the enlightenment of the self, of the soul's majesty, and the wisdom that's inherent within all of us, our divine rightful inheritance of that wisdom, and the wisdom that we learn along the way, the wisdom that we learn when we're a teacher, when we're a student, all at the same time in the synergistic capacity. So when we receive that wisdom on a psycho-spiritual level, and this equates also to emotional, etheric, the cycle and the physical, and on a cognitive level, and in all of those capacities, all of those elements, the treasures of our being, of our existence, there's so much of a marvel in which we are. We are all marvels. We are marvels of creation. We're marvels of God. We are marvels of the mirror of God and the marvels of the natural order, the divine order, and so forth. And so all of these notions in which I express and I do express on some things in a pattern of repetition at times because there is repetition with wisdom. Therefore, it is necessary at times to to hear and to process and then hear it again in a different time and place and to process it again in a different way and more in a perhaps where you can fragment things a certain way, catalog them some way, the inner dialogue, where there's a chronological order within the mind and the concepts of the mind and the precepts of the mind. And so there are times that if you even can think of, if you read a book or saw a movie or read a piece of literature, right. And then you might have loved it or appreciated it, or maybe it didn't, you know, just get you at the helm there, but then you might see it again or read it again at some point in time. And it just, strikes you very differently and it has a different meaning and a different let's say integration it arouses something different within yourself that perhaps it didn't before or it's an evolution of the elemental reactions within the self that you see things differently in a different way and it's like you see through the color spectrums you see that it's not just the normal color spectrums that is of the tangible eye. You see beyond the veil, and then you transmute through, and there are pieces of the puzzle of this life, in this world, in these elements in which that can happen for us on a daily basis. And so when I speak of that, it is truly and essentially my endeavor to propagate deeper knowledge of the unknowns, the unknowns that we speak of on the show, and also the uncertainties and the very mysteries that have truly captivated us and our ancestors. If we think epigenetically, our ancestors from long ages past, that there are elements within ourselves that truly have that inherent divine learned behavior. And I'll get into that further, of course, yet when I speak of all this, I speak of all this to my fellow light workers, my fellow starseed initiates of cosmic love, my brothers and sisters of Christ and the great planet Earth. And also beyond this show is the extension of where this show and everyone on this realm and anyone who is speaking in the capacity of unconditional cosmic love. Anyone who is speaking of peace and harmony and empowerment and honoring our fellow creatures and our fellow brothers and sisters, um, there is a 
culminated love effort. And that is a strength. That's a superpower. So no matter where one is in the world, when there's one person sending out a thought beam of that persistent, continuous love emanation or hopeful emanation or combined love and hope and so forth, then that is truly when Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to be in the world. You know, that is when all of us are the change that we want to be in the world. We are contributor of the change in which we want to create and to hope for the improvement because change can be synonymous, of course, with also other aspects that we might not see as favorable, right? But then there are transformative changes. And in the transformation of change, this is where I segue into that for today's transmission, I did want to express and speak of the notion of what is divinely and physically held for each of us living upon planet earth that you know our ancestors as i was speaking of earlier that there's this component of what affects us what is truly epigenetically set forth within our programming and that is when i refer to the notion of the transformation and i speak of the matter of survival and that's Hence, our mortal being self, the physical vessel, the universal ego, and the individual ego, that we are mortal beings, and we all confront death one day. And so, yes, while this life is a powerful transformer, death is also a powerful transformer of change. And so life is change death is change. And the in-between, the interim of our life path is essentially a constant, consistent change. We are constantly in a state of metamorphosis. And I plan on speaking of this and extending into upcoming shows on this theme and this topic because it is so vast and it affects every single one of us on this planet. And it is part of our journey, as part of our soul's journey. And there are many different belief systems in which I honor. And even the belief systems that we literally just disintegrate into the earth and that there's no more. And that is paramount to all of us in the thought process of what is beyond our life, what is beyond this earth, what is beyond the universal kingdoms, the universal celestial realms. What is beyond our soul's existence in this time, in this moment, in this year? And when we think of that, we can really go into places that are perhaps very much full of terror, very much full of fear, of anxiety. And then there are other notions in which it is a completely longing for that surrender, longing for release of that physical vessel, release of that in the transformation state of being in which the great sleep comes to us. And and I'll get into all of that, of course, and I'll, it'll definitely take a while to explain all of these uh, principles and ideals and so forth. Yet, when I do speak of that death is a powerful transformer, that when we surrender the physical and when we surrender not only of our physical flesh and bone, yet the surrender of the communion with our fellow family members, our beloved, our friends, those loved ones, the spouses and partners and people along the way, people that we love, people that we've posited love into, we've received love and also the ulterior aspects of that as well. And so, and that's a great deal with karma and I'll speak of that as well. But when we can ponder that all of this hard work in this particular lifetime, when one literally can ask, what is all this for? Right? So when that question comes to me, like, what is the purpose of this life? If we are just to be 
removed or taken against our will at times from what we cannot evade, such as death through illness, through sickness, through suicide, through murder, through pestilence, through war, famine, you name it. Across the ages, we have always faced this principle. And when we think of, we can go into the principles of ascension and um, the resurrection and all of those notions, yes, but, and I don't mean to be fatalistic here, but I'm being realistic. So I do want to just express that there is always hope with ourself and what we make do with this world, with what we make do in the time that we share in the physical, earthly realm, in the third dimension. And whatever your belief system is, and if you believe in a future life after death or reincarnation, or that it is truly the end of your existence forever and ever and ever, then that's your own prerogative, that's your own belief system. But I'm going to just extend and speak of what I know, what I've observed, what I have learned throughout my whole life. And so these are basically my opinions, my observations, and also elements that I've received complete confirmation on from my side of the world, in which I've seen and viewed from numerous, numerous, numerous people and animals. And so my plight is to ignite the hope and the optimism in a place that can be very frightening. And I'm not trying to pause it into everyone that, oh, be intrepid when it comes to death, be intrepid when it comes to survival. That's wonderful if you have that, but there's also so many that have that fear, which is normal to have that fear. But I'm just trying to help illuminate to perhaps give some insight into the path of what is beyond this world, beyond this earth, beyond this realm, beyond the soul's journey that is conjoined with the soul's evolution, with the transformation of our soul. And so apply whatever you like with this um, from your own theological belief or non-theological belief system, whatever is respective to your perspective, essentially. And so when I speak of that that there's a finality, right? That, that we are mortal here, but our souls are immortal. And so when we are born, we are literally just beginning to start to die again. But there's metamorphosis throughout our life. So if we live till we're two years old, if we die in the womb before we're able to entreat into the uh, the capacity of the third dimension outside of the womb, if we live to our 120, let's say, no matter what the time frame, we all have our soul's journey. So however in which the soul has aligned itself to have that predetermined destiny and working with that destiny, of course, we are proactive. You know, if there's a timeline set for us under the divine laws, the ordinance of divine laws of nature, and also the laws of dissolution, in which I'll explain all this in this show and perhaps upcoming shows, is because this is extremely paramount and important for everyone, especially we're, we're just having this beautiful eclipse as well, and eclipse energy, and right now we're in a Scorpio full moon, and the eclipse is very powerful but there's a transformer in that also. So when we look upon if we're if we die before we can enter into the realm of the third dimension, we die at 2 years old or if we die at 120 or if we die at 27, right? The 27 club, the um, Saturn's return, the exit point and so forth. And anyhow, there's a time and a place and then those who have taken their own life there's a time and place in which there is this cohesive formula in the spectrum of the celestial kingdom, the hierarchy kingdom, the archetypal kingdom, the realms of 
the divine law of nature, life, birth, and the cycle of rebirth, the cycle of transformation, and also the laws of disillusion in which we as mortal beings learn to surrender the material realm. And this is not to say that, oh, you can't like nice things. No, no, no. This is the material realm in the tangible form of our tissue, our fluids, our organs, our bones. The physical skin is merely a cloak of our soul. And so there's the consciousness, right? And our personality actually does survive in the cellular function in the etheric realm in which there are notions in which if one believes in reincarnation and they've known it, this will all make perfect sense to those individuals because there are certain personas, there are certain archetypes of the character and the principles of those, let's say, the compass, the inner constitution of oneself where there's some similar characteristics and maybe it's evolved. If you've lived long enough to see some cycles of that with your own eyes, it's a marvel to behold, especially when you see it with animals as well. So essentially with that, given that the material realm in which when we are focused on what do we leave behind to our loved ones, if we are blessed to plan ahead, right? So in, when there are things that happen suddenly, and then we have the earthbound realm of, and I'll get into that more too, yet we have so many versions of what death equates to all of us and what the afterlife equates to all of us. And our soul's journey, no two are the same, yet there are similar encompassments of the soul group family. And so I'll also speak of that. Yet when I do... I express all of these notions of the dissolution and the relief, the release, the liberation of the soul to be in the full cosmic realm of that unlimited potential in which our physical beings here, we are capable of doing so much. We're capable of building rocket ships. We are capable of you know, doing amazing neurosurgery. We're capable of making a house as perfect and clean as possible. You know, not everyone's Martha Stewart, but you know what I'm saying. It's like that there's these particular types of order and structure in which we can be mechanics, we can be amazing chefs, we can be all kinds of things in between on a certain level that helps one another. But then when we look deeper and deeper, you're not just what you are here on earth. You're not just that. You're not just a therapist. You're not just a lawyer. You're not just a truck driver. You're not just a cosmetic surgeon. You're not just a cardiologist. You know, you're not just an artist. You're not just an engineer, right? So you're not just a florist. So there are so many principles there that what is it within the self beyond the physical realm in which there are, yes, the, the capacity of being a contributing member of society in which your talents, your skills, and you help and you're a farmer and wow, everyone can eat and profit from you in that way and have sustenance and nurturing. Yet in the realm of what is beyond that, what is beyond that? So that is something that ignites some terror or a lot of terror and it varies between people. But when one is very close with a conviction to their spiritual belief system, whether it's in God and Jesus Christ, the mother Mary in the Holy Trinity in the Holy spirit, the Holy ghost or in Buddha and in so many of the principles of, you know, whatever may be, you know, the prophet of David, everything that there is life after this dimension when we transcend into the fourth dimension the fifth dimension beyond there are so many hierarchies of the kingdom of heaven and we are reminded of that if you look at scripture if you look at the bhagavad gita and if you look at the tibetan book of the dead if you look at the ancient egyptian texts and principles of that there is such a element of i would say beyond paramount significance, 
right? There's such, let's, let's just go here to the ancient Egyptians. So when we speak of the ancient Egyptians and their belief system in the afterlife, right? And we have the halls of Horus and we have Anubis and the scales. And if your heart is light as a feather, then you may transcend forth and proceed into the afterlife that there is, they were the inventors of embalming and I'm obsessed with ancient Egypt, so I could go on and on about that. But when there are the high priests of the morticians, so there's the high priest and the high priestesses of the morticians that truly were, they had one of the most sacred duties, sacred duties of all existence to be that great contributor with their skill set, with their divine knowledge that the sun god Ra, that Isis, Osiris, and Sekhmet, everything, we could go on and on about that, but that that divine knowledge of how to perform such beautiful rituals to preserve the body, to preserve the soul, to give forth that our brethren and their cats and their animals took precedence as well, so that this particular individual is in that beautiful place of they're going to the kingdom of the afterlife, that there is that experience, that mighty fire of life, that flame of life does not extinguish, even if the physical body disintegrates here on earth. And so when we think about that, let's just think about how the how the, the posits of the directions towards heaven and the celestial spheres of that in the afterlife you will be blessed, right? And so when we parallel that with perhaps the Christian doctrine um, and also in the Hindu and the Buddhist dogmas of that the karma, essentially all of it is that do good, be good, do good, propagate goodness for every action that is made due with unselfishness, with zero agenda, that is made with an altruistic, pure state of heart, mind, and soul, that I'm just going to feed that homeless person because I just feel like doing it. Oh, there's a homeless little snake. There's a homeless little cat. There's a homeless little bird. Oh my gosh, I need to go help. I need to go make sure they're okay, are they injured? And without a fleeting thought, just with just within an instantaneous, without a fleeting thought of doubt or anything, you just do it. You just do the right thing. Someone needs your help in some capacity and you're able to do so. You don't think of, well, my goodness, what could I possibly gain from if I help this person who's bleeding from the jugular, let's say metaphorically? And but when you just dive in and you can help and you are able to in any way, there's an observational force field of God, of the universe, of karma, the laws of divinity, of the observational kingdom. And so all of those are stored in the halls of record. And so there are such halls in all of these principles. So when one seeks nirvana, right? when one seeks the galactic holy spectrum and to receive their own planet, when one seeks to have the riches in the afterlife, when they cross the river Styx and so forth. And we can talk about Archangel Azrael and Archangel Gabriel to great lengths and Metatron and Michael, Saint and Archangel Michael, those two are interwoven at times, yet many of them are. However, there's so much detail in this, so much to ponder upon, so much to consider. And so when we look at those principles, there's an effort that we're looking forward to something. When we leave this physical planet, when we transcend this physical, earthly school of life, that we are going to the great beyond that we may have those moments of that great sleep, that great interim, that reprieve of the soul, that reprieve of this journey in which 
many people, even if they are externally seeming to be blessed, that they suffer greatly. They suffer greatly. And they also can suffer because no one assumes that they're suffering, right? And they don't want to bother anyone. They don't want to, I guess, impose on anyone. And so they silently hold on to sufferings. And they don't have anyone that they can trust to share their woes, their tumults, the fire of their trials and so forth. And if they can turn to God, if they can turn to the Mother Mary, if they can turn to Buddha, if they can turn to anything that is of positive love and light, then there's a sacred virtue that they're having this allegiance with. And when there's an allegiance with something higher than ourselves, then there's hope. And there's a reminder that we are loved, we are watched over, we have guardians, we have the fairy godmothers, the fairy godfathers, we have many, so much more beyond this realm. And I do intend to speak of that further, of course. If I can't fit it into this show, I will certainly do so in the upcoming shows. And I will remember to speak of those aspects as they are extremely important to our self on this planet and also what we survive when we transcend this with our immortal soul and our immortal being of the spirit. And so I I wanted to just refer back to in the principles of which when we care for the dead, right? And going back to ancient Egypt, there's the mystery, the knowledge and the sacred principles of that there is an awareness that this is not the end. Great lengths are taken to preserve and care for our deceased and to honor them, to reverence with them, to have that celebration of the life, the celebration of the spectrum of that we are so blessed to have known them. And then on the contrary, if it was someone who was full of disdain and uh, harbored great injury upon the self, then I will just speak of that with the unconditional precepts of forgiveness to set free that entanglement and the quantum entanglement. And I'm going to focus back upon the loving friends, the beloved, the spouses, the partners, our family members of the animal kingdom, and the ancestors. So there is a great deal of that detail in which bears that significance, because when we celebrate the life of another, we thereby also celebrate ourself, and we celebrate that communion, that unity, and that kindred spirit awareness, and that cosmic alignment of that soul's journey in which somewhere along the line prior to the rebirth pool perhaps let me just say this is an example that myself that I decided to choose a particular family a particular shark and a particular unicorn to be my pets on planet earth right and then somehow I'm a mermaid and I live in the ocean and I can see the unicorns on the shore and my pets are sharks and I swim gallantly with them. Perhaps that was my predetermined choice, right? So I'm using that as a fictitious example. However, in the reality, there are so many, in all seriousness, so many extremely paramountly real and legitimate circumstances in which one does seek that one does choose that this lifetime i will be in service to humanity in this lifetime i will work on receiving self-love in this lifetime i will work on being a contributing member of society in the realm of that I want to be a better father, a better mother, a better sister, a better brother, a better teacher, a better farmer, anything, whatever it might be. But beyond the facets of what we do in this realm 
and what our soul's purpose is because there's a difference. So the soul's purpose may be to do so many, so many beautiful contributions to contribute in so many ways to posit meritorious energies to posit just so much of that reflection of the living God, of the living mirror of God, of all that is grand and just a virtue and kindness. And so then the daily life consists of taking care of their children, going to work, taking care of the household, organizing finances, organizing the pantries, all of those things that are part of our daily, 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 daily functions here as humans, yet our soul's purpose, what is beyond the nine to five or the 12 hour work shift or uh, what is beyond all that. So when we consider that, that we are eternal souls, that we are infinite beings beyond the physical shell, beyond the physical vessel, there's much to behold in that. And I'm also going to, I can actually go into that, you know, when we think of the hour of our death, right, or the hour of our death in a way that maybe we're completely young, we're physically fit, or we just, everything is great around us, but there's that notion of that the hour of death could be around the corner, the hour of death could be 100 years from now. And again, I'm speaking of real life introspections because this is not fatalistic. This is reality and the hour of our death. There's so much to consider. And I'm not sure if all of you or any one of you has ever read. There's a very short story. It's an allegory. It's like a literary allusion to a Mideastern folktale. Um, just many things, but there's so much truth in this. And it's called The Meeting in Samara, Appointment, Appointment in Samara by John O'Hara. And there, there's so much in that short, concise tale, The Appointment in Samara, okay, by John O'Hara. And again, you know, through literary um, tools, right, there's the personification of death. And um, when we go into like the Todd and Destination, like Death and the Maiden and everything in the and just there's you know, where death comes to you. And I'll speak of that again, but I really want to go to the the personification of the appointment in Samara where death literally was the antagonist and there was a, a merchant and his servant and the servant saw death in the marketplace truly and was in so much terror and fear and went to his merchant and said, I saw death. I'm terrified please, can I borrow your horse? And the merchant, of course, said, of course you can. And, you know, suddenly there was this happenstance of the irony and the cataclysm of that in which when the servant was trying to evade death and the merchant ended up seeing the death saying, why did you frighten my servant, my dear servant? Why did you frighten them? Oh, well, it was not my intention. However, I do have a meeting with him in Samara. And that's exactly where the servant was intending to flee to, to avoid that death was around the corner. And so in those essences, when there is that hour of our death in the predetermined and the destiny, and also, yes, we're proactive. We have ways in which we are really cautious and we do things to help to mitigate things. But I'm speaking of in the soul's way. And yes, there's crime and yes, there are unforeseen events and there's accidents and there's illnesses that come about, but I'm speaking on the soul's level. And when we consider that the, as much of the world is a great transformer, yes. Well, there's also in the multi-cycles of the regeneration process the of seasons right so there's always a life cycle of the seasons when we look at the butterfly which is the most a most actually beautiful perspective for the majority of people because it is something that we can observe with a unique capacity and 
we see the cocoon, the chrysalis, the birth, the, the cycle in which the butterfly transforms, transcends, and the caterpillar, it's not the end. The caterpillar is like, oh, it's the end of this form. The end of this form, not the end of me, essentially, but the end of this form. And then when you come out of that cocoon and the chrysalis and there's that gorgeous divine element of the wings and the freedom of that liberation in which you can fly anywhere and you can pollinate and you are in that universal oneness of that higher consciousness, that cosmic divine love that is beyond the majesties of our limitations in our mortal self in which, yes, like I said, we are capable of building rocket ships and making things perfect, making things great again on earth all the time. But in that limited precept, when there's the transcending notion, and even when one has an ascension here on earth where they're ascending, 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 they learn that there is that capacity of that fulfillment, that attainment of my goodness, I'm becoming increasingly unlimited. I'm becoming increasingly full of these exponential potential variable realities for myself that perhaps 10 years ago, perhaps 10 months ago, I was limited by my own imprisonment of my brain, my mind, my preconditioned thoughts, right? Or um, let's say self-limiting um, behavior, self-denigration, all of those, in which some things, it's nature versus nurture, what came first, was that part of your environment or your upbringing or that you were controlled or that you were oppressed um, by people that were tyrannical upon you or too oppressive and you never got to actually believe in yourself, you never actually got to realize that you're worthy of so much more love, that you're worthy of so much more of the divine principles of that, yes, you can believe in yourself, believe that you can do it. And this is merely one of the reasons why I'm speaking of death is because when we think of death and we think of the limitation that we can, um, that we have here, and then we think of the unlimited potential upon this earth and we integrate, we learn from death, we learn from the afterlife we learn from the potential variable realities. We learn from all of that. We transcend so much. And so the intention is to posit all of that hopefulness into ourselves now, into ourselves right now. If I have stage four acute myeloid leukemia right now and I'm going to die soon, at least I know that I have hope that I'm going to make the most even if I'm in chemo and I'm sick all the time and I can't, my, my quality of life might not be the best, or if I chose not to have chemotherapy, right? So I'm going to make the choice that I'm going to prepare for myself to have what I need now in the metaphysical realm, in the spiritual realm, in the emotional, in the psycho-spiritual realm. Even if my physical body cannot completely sustain itself to the place in which my spirit, my life force, is working through and permeating through and purveying through all of that, I'm still going to hold on. And if I'm tip top and I'm my triathlete self and I'm, you know, diving off the 10 meter platforms and I'm, you know, my 10th degree black belt, then okay, great, perfect. But I'm going to honor that. I'm going to honor and respect my life force and my integrity of my tenacity. And if I'm in between where sometimes there's something that happens to all of us, well, we hold on to that. We hold on to that. We'll get through this. We can transform through this. We're having a bad day. We're having a bad week. We're having a bad month, a bad year, but we can transcend through it. We can live through this. So living through this, living through this. And so when we learn from death, we learn from life. When we learn from life, we learn from death. And we learn through the transformative powers of both. And then the interim. And so when we reach the essential, I would say, potentials of that exponential reality, 
in which I spoke of and I speak of still, that when we see that there is that metamorphosis and death and life transformation, that the realms of heaven, the realms of nirvana, the realms of that hierarchical kingdom do exist. And when we enter into that and we transcend from the third dimension into the fourth and the fifth dimension and beyond, there's a place to remit, to redo, and to absolve, and also to resolve, right? So we want to resolve, we want to rectify, we want to vindicate in some way, serve humanity in various forms, and also to confront the unimaginable, right? And also confront the imaginable. So when we seek upon those notions in which we can learn from death, we can learn from life, and that we can make them boast, you know, the, the actually the most beneficial quality of our life here on earth, because we're learning from that. We're learning from the, I guess, I would say the, the path of our mortal existence and the path of our soul's immortal, infinite existence and that duality there and when it coalesces. And then when we go into the laws and the cycles of life and the laws of the great creator, the grand architect, God, Heavenly Father, Buddha, that we really look at these laws and these laws are not authoritarian laws or anything of that. These laws are in the cycle of life and the cycle of what is comprised of life, that is the masterpiece of life, that all these lives that we live are masterpieces in itself. And our death also, when we perceive it in the grand spectrum, in the illuminated way, that death is also a masterpiece in itself. Because it is our time to rest, it is our time for reprieve, and if someone says uh, there's so many elements there that I'll probably get into on the next show, but when we really look at the reprieve, the interim of that great sleep, but there's that ability to connect with those that we love. There's the ability to where they can connect with us, we can connect with them, and also the reincarnation principle. And you'll see that more often with animals, unless children die very young. Um, but with animals, because animals have a shorter life cycle here on earth, as opposed to human beings, unless children die prematurely at a certain age, but you will see that is more predominant for us as human beings to see our animals in the life cycle reincarnate where we can observe it ourselves. And so when we look upon the great sleep of death, but then the great activity of life. So there's the activation principle, and then in death, there's the tacit, the desist. There is that rest, that sleep, that stillness, but then the soul is going through its own journey. The soul is doing so much work. The soul is doing all the work while the body in the mystical body and the etheric body, the vessel, gets to rest so it can get reborn, rebirthed, regenerated, and when and uh, next show I'll discuss too like soul groups and family cycles and partnership cycles and so forth as well. But when we are comprised of that cellular function and we have those inherent memories and we have the organs, we have our bones, the cloak of skin I was speaking of. Um, when we fear that all of that and the metaphysical and the metahuman notion the in the ultra conscious states in which we are looking upon our life as if wow like what shall i do what can i do what am i capable of what do i really want to do while i'm here do i want to enjoy and do i want to transcend the um, and help my my friends? Do I want to help my family? Do I want to be a good daughter, a good son, a good sister, a good brother? And those are all totally complete, uh, normal, functioning principles of life. 
But then look within, like, what is your soul saying besides those normal, essential human family dynamics and contributing member of society dynamics? What does your soul say? Does your soul say, what is it that I want to learn while I'm here in this realm, in this particular Aquarian age? What do I really want to learn here? What do I want to give forth? And it doesn't have to be that you solve world peace. It doesn't have to be that you solve something epic. It'd be great if you do. Wonderful. Good for you. But it's a matter of the principle of what is conducive to the perpetuation of yourself to be a living legend in yourself, to be an emanation of the reflecting God, to be a memoir of when Jesus took the cross. And, you know, these are for people. And if you don't believe in that, that's fine. I'm just speaking this. But when Jesus took the cross and over 2000 years ago and literally took that ultimate sacrifice and forgave those around him and said, we will be in paradise together. And, you know, and and the spear of Longinus and, you know, his interstitial fluid literally healed the blind soldier, the Roman soldier Longinus. Like he literally did this transformation through his death. There was a transformation of the earth. The earth quaked so much was revealed in those moments, literally in the eclipse of the earth, the eclipse of the sun, the moon, everything completely did its own transformation upon that time in the epoch of that. And in the, in the realm of the resurrection, those are all in every single dogma and theological perspective. There is this life, death, resurrection cycle. No matter how you look at it, there's a principle of that, that we are eternal souls. We are eternal beings. We outlive our physical cloak of skin, but there's a sanctification in that place of our resolute resolve for creating the fiery, beautiful flames of this life with our life force to emanate goodness, to receive goodness, to be loved, to love, to be kind, to forgive, to be unconditional, and to empower one another. Because this is not the end. This particular spectrum of earth is not the end. It is not the end. Even if it feels like it's the end at times, it's truly not the end. And so, and I I have a lot of personal reflections that I could speak of. Um, so much of that that I've observed through time. And, but I... I will get into that in our upcoming shows yet. I really want to just insert this, that, that there is a phenomena of life and what we can learn from death is that the phenomena of life, that in that single coherent framework of this life, that it is not just in that one faceted aspect And I want to leave you all with this notion that when we know death, we do know life. Yes, but we are also in that same principle capacity of the divine laws of life and rebirth and the cycles of all that may apply to you. Well, and the mysteries of the unknown that what we do here in this time space continuum in this place with our etheric self or physical self that look for the journey where do you want to go in your mind for your souls imperative tasks what is it outside of the external realm what is it within yourself in your heart in your mind in your spirit what do you want to posit into the world into yourself and also for fellow mankind and the creature kingdom. How do you want to better yourself? And so thank you so much. And I'll continue this on our next show. And I appreciate all of your um, contribution and your audience. And 
I will be with you again in two weeks' time. And this has been your host, Ray Trujillo of the Beyond Earth Show. And sending all of you love and blessings of empowerment and light. Thank you. Bye.